0: You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at Lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Mark, chapter 9. We're going to continue... Um, Our message that we had last Sunday when we talked about being overwhelmed. We said last week that there is no problem that Jesus cannot fix. No matter how difficult it is, and I know that some of you have walked into this building today and you brought with you a problem that you absolutely are not sure can be fixed. But I'm reminding you, this story is reminding you that there is no problem that God cannot fix. And the key verse in this story, the key takeaway, if you don't hear anything else that I say, the key takeaway is the words of Jesus. When he says, anything is possible if a person believes. Not some things, not a few things, anything is possible. If a man believes or if a person believes, we're going to read in Mark chapter 9. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. I'm not going to read the whole story as we did last week. I would encourage you to do that if you have not read this story. We're going to begin with verse 14 this morning. Excuse me, that's not correct. We're going to begin with verse 21 this morning. The story actually begins in verse 14. And um, Jesus has been up on the mountain with three of his disciples. And they come down from that mountain and there is a father there with a son who has a problem. And he says to Jesus, he said, I brought my son to your disciples and they could not help him. And I am in such a tough spot. If there's anything that you can do. Let's read beginning with verse 21. Jesus is starting here. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. We said last week that The essence of that is I do believe, but I am completely overwhelmed by my circumstances. The circumstances are driving me to wonder, is it possible that that a miracle could take place? Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and through the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. And afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the room with the disciples, they asked him, why could we not cast out this evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by Would you take the hand of somebody who's sitting beside you this morning? And I'm telling you the significance of this today. And if you're watching online and there's anybody else in the room, reach over and take them by the hand. The significance of this is the promise that if any two shall agree, it shall be done. You're holding the hand of somebody. Somebody is holding the hand of somebody today who's desperately trying to believe that their problem can be fixed, their marriage can be saved, their children can be healed, their family can be restored, their finances can come back together. And I believe that the kind of faith and power that is necessary is already in this room right now. I feel Him in my heart. Praise God. Let's pray. Father... Thank you for what you're about to do in this room right now. Even in this moment, I feel the presence, the holy presence of God. Your Spirit, Lord, is in this room today. And I just pray that as this message goes forth, it's not my words that matter, Lord. It is your words. And I just pray the Holy Spirit anoints both the speaking and the listening and the embracing of the promises of God's Word. And Father, I'm careful that your name receive praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, you may be seated, everybody say the word, overwhelmed, all right, you can be seated. You know, I've been serving the Lord for a long time, and in the weeks and several weeks when I've been trying, okay, we need everybody to get seated as soon as we can, let's get settled. This is really important. Please don't be moving around unless you just absolutely have to. In the years that I've been serving the Lord and as I've thought about it for several weeks now, I've come to this conclusion that perhaps the single most consistent thing that the enemy does to trip up Christians is distraction. Now that may not have been what you were expecting me to say. And like I say, I've been doing this a long time. But I believe, I'm standing on that because I believe the single biggest obstacle to most of you walking in the life and the way that God wants you to live, having the kind of relationship that God wants you to have is the problem of distraction. The enemy knows this and he uses this weapon so effectively and so regularly and repeatedly in our life. Now when I speak about distraction, I'm talking about our inability to stay focused on a God view of the situation. The fact that we get distracted in our our life with the things that the enemy tells us, shows us, leads us to believe, and we become distracted by that. In fact, the Lord's been dealing with me about my own life, my own leadership here at Lake Erie Church. And I said to Shelley a few weeks ago, I feel like that God is warning me that we must be careful that we don't get distracted. Because even the best of people can get distracted. And what happens is there's a distortion of the truth. And when we get distracted, we start believing things that aren't true. And it's so easy. Let me give you a couple of examples. Think about the Garden of Eden. What did the serpent do? He distracted Adam and Eve from being completely obedient to God by putting a question in their mind. Why doesn't God want you to have the same ability that He has? Because if you eat this fruit, you're going to be just like God. Why wouldn't God want you to do that? And they got distracted by that question and made a fatal mistake. In the New Testament in John chapter 20. You remember the story that Jesus had predicted that Peter would deny him three times and he did the night of the trial of Jesus. Well after Jesus is resurrected there is this incredible story in John chapter 20 where Jesus intentionally reconnects with Peter in order to restore him and help him to know he's still on team Jesus. And so there on the sea, by, by the side of the sea They're eating breakfast together, and Jesus poses these questions to Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, seriously now, do you really love me? And the Bible says that when he asked that third question, a disciple of the Lord's walked by. And the Bible said that Peter says to the Lord, what about him? Is he going to live or die? And in essence what Jesus said was that ain't none of your business. Focus. I'm trying to restore you here. I'm trying to give you a moment of transformation and you're worried about somebody else. And and when I read that so many times I'm thinking I'm guilty. I'm guilty. God's trying to get my attention. God's trying to lead me in the way he wants me to go and all of a sudden I'm worried about what somebody said. I'm worried about what somebody did. And all of us have times we get consumed about other people and what's going on with other people. We worry about what other people think about us. Let me help you. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. They don't think about you. But the fact of the matter is, is that we get distracted. And because we get distracted, we miss the mark. Now the reason I'm starting with this is because I think this is significant when you start talking about dealing with life's problems. Because it is so easy when you're wrestling with a problem, when you are trying to manage a difficulty, that you miss God's view. And you embrace only what you see or what you think is right and you fail to appreciate that a lot of times you're chasing a distraction that is intended to keep you from listening to what God is trying to say to you, but you can't hear it because you're distracted. So we have to be careful. My my encouragement to you is to be careful what you look at because not everything is exactly as it appears. And you have to be careful what you're looking at. You have to be careful what is influencing your life, influencing what you believe. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants. That's exactly what the culture's trying to do is to influence you away from what God's word has said. And if you're not careful, you become distracted. In fact, I would stop right here and tell you that there's two two questions you need to be asking yourself quite frequently. What am I looking at? And what has my attention? And why does it have my attention? Because those things can sometimes cause you to feel overwhelmed with your problems because you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the wrong situation. Jesus said in in his word, we talked about it last week. He said in John 16, he said in the world you are going to have problems. So we know that problems are inevitable. We know we're going to have problems in our life. But notice what Jesus said. He said, I'm telling you this that in me you can have peace about your problems because I have overcome the world. And because he has overcome the world, we can have peace about any problem that there is no problem that he cannot fix. This perspective idea, it's really important because problems are in fact exaggerators. Your problems, my problems, they're exaggerators. Let me see if I can explain this because I've been practicing this hoping that I can explain this in the right way. But if you take the problem that you sometimes are dealing with, maybe the one you're dealing with today, and on a scale of one to 10, you assign that problem a number. You say that's a, a level four problem. So you don't get the promotion that you want it at work, and it ticks you off. That's a level four problem. That's just a number I'm assigning. But because you're so angry, the problem gets exaggerated, and you go to your boss, and you tell them exactly what you think of them. You know what happened? Your problem just went from level four to level seven. Because now there's a disciplinary meeting you have to go to, and it's because... The problem got accelerated because you lost your perspective. Here's another example. Your girlfriend or boyfriend, break, your girlfriend breaks up with you. You start, you know, that's a level seven, man. That's a level seven problem. Girlfriend broke up with me. I thought she was the one. And you're so distraught. You start telling your friends, I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I'll be able to make it. And I'm so messed up and I'm so depressed. So you go out with your friends and you get drunk. You go to a club somewhere and you get drunk and you hook up with a girl you don't even know. She gets pregnant. Your level seven just became level 14. Because the problem is an accelerator. It's an exaggerator of the situation. Here's another one. You're so busy. Your problem is you don't have any time for yourself. You got so much stuff going on in your life and you just feel like you're just overwhelmed with so much stuff. With the kids, with the marriage, with your job, with your career, with the finances, just so much. You've been working overtime and and you're just tired, you're exhausted. So that's a level five problem. And you start trying to figure out how you're going to solve it, how you're going to make it better. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut back on some stuff. I'm just going to... I'm going to cut some things out of my life. And you say, well, I don't think I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I think I'll just stay home and I'll catch it later. I'm going to sleep on Sundays or I'm going to do something else instead of going to church. You cut out your time with the Lord. You, instead of getting up early like you used to to read your Bible, you sleep in a little bit and you think, well, I'll catch it up later. And you never do. And what happens is you start moving away from the very person who can help you with your problem. Because problems are exaggerators. And eventually if you're not careful you lose your way because you lose your perspective. And this is exactly why you're overwhelmed. Because you're not seeing the problem the way that God wants you to see the problem. So in the short time left I want to offer you three statements and then we're going to pray. Three things that I feel like you can do that this story teaches me that you can do in managing your problems better. You're never going to live a problem-free life. You're always going to have problems, but you can learn how to manage your problems better. Number one, start seeing your problems as a part of life's journey. Start accepting that you are going to have problems in this life because if you believe that the good life is the life without problems, you're always gonna be overwhelmed. You're always gonna be overwhelmed. We had a little incident happened at the center Friday. I just I had gone to the store and had just stopped by for just a minute, and you know, I cannot resist checking on the kids not my job I don't get paid for it but there's something about the way those kids look at you when you walk in the room you can go in that toddler room and everyone will go hello and so I stepped down the hallway and I just stuck my head into one of the classrooms and as I did this kid is just like throwing up everywhere whoa and the teachers like oh my gosh what am I going to do? We were a little short staffed. So I ran down the hallway to try to find out if there was another available floater and there didn't happen to be any available. And she said, I don't know what to do. I can't leave the kids. I," I said, I'm your sub. I got the kids. You get the puke. And then I said... Shelly, we need you right now. (laughs) And to her credit, she was there just like that. And we got it taken care of. You see, you can get completely overwhelmed with your problems and things happen in life. Kids throw up. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you got in your house. Kids get sick and problems come. And you're going to find yourself always being disappointed if you don't accept that problems are a part of the journey of life. You're going to live with a philosophy that life isn't fair. You're going to assume that somehow God has abandoned you. Somebody said that to me a while back. I feel like the Lord's forgotten me. No, He hasn't. You're having a life experience in a world that is full of sin. You're going to have problems, you're going to have difficulties and you have to accept that this is a part of it. And and the perspective that life has to be problem free only adds to my confusion. So Jesus said it's going to happen and we have to face our problems but maybe what we need to do is reframe the problem so that we see it through the eyes of Jesus. Lord, how do you see this problem? How do you see this situation? I, I practiced this this week. Been been wrestling with a problem, and I I'm driving in my car, and I said, "Lord, give me the vision that you have when you see this problem. When you look at this problem, how do you see it? Because if I can see it the way the Lord sees it, I'm not going to be overwhelmed. Because He has all power, and He's not bothered. He's not worried." That we're not gonna get through this because He gave me the power to overcome. He said that. Giving you this power so that you could overcome. And I start seeing my problems through a God perspective. It doesn't mean that the problem always goes away, but what it does mean is that I'm not alone. I'm not alone, that God is with me in the midst of my problem. And there is always a way out. Here's the second statement. Start seeing your problems as partially incomprehensible. Now, I don't know how many of you have been doing the modern math recently with your children. But I'm just telling you, math is not what you remember for when you were in school. When I was in school, 7 plus 3 was what? 10. 7 plus 3 is 10. Well now what your children are being taught is to get to 10, it's 3 plus 3 plus 3 plus 1. It's 10. Now it's the same answer, it's just a different way to get there. Now I don't know why that's a better way to get there, but that's what they teach your children, that 3 plus 3 plus 3 plus 1 is now equal to 10. And and while the outcome is known, how I get to it is a new problem for me. Because when the problems of life hit me, when the relationship goes sour, when the unexpected health issue rises up, when, when somebody that you care about dies, you go crazy trying to figure out why. Why did that happen? Why did that occur? Why did my dad leave? Why did my mom leave? Why was my brother killed in that car wreck? Why did my job get downsized? Why was I the one that was laid off? And you can go crazy trying to figure out the why. What's happening here? Did I do something wrong? Is God mad at me? And what's frustrating is that you can't always see the full picture. And I didn't come here this morning to promise you that you will ever get the full picture. When I was a boy, we used to sing a song in the church. Some of you are old enough to remember. We sang, we'll understand it better by and by. I'm not so sure anymore. Because I don't find that in the Bible. I don't find any place where God says, listen, when you get to heaven, I'll tell you all about it. The Bible doesn't say that. There are some things in life that you are never, ever, ever going to know why. And the only explanation I have for that very confusing statement is what the prophet said in Isaiah 55. God said through Isaiah, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are beyond anything that you can imagine. He said, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways." There are some things that God knows that I will never know. There are some things that God understands that I will never understand. And I can get frustrated in life if I think that every problem has to be completely understood and completely resolved. Because there are some things in life that are incomprehensible. There are some things in life that you just simply have to accept that I'm never going to know the answer of that. So what can I do? In moments when you don't understand, what you can do is trust. I'm going to say that again. When you can't understand what God is doing, you can trust. Because if you are willing to trust then you can have a confidence that God sees you and knows where you are. I love this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul writing says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me. See your problems as partially incomprehensible. Here's the third and final statement. Start seeing your problems as a part of a plan for positive change. Start seeing your problems as a part of a plan for positive change. I want to make something very clear before we pray. Cancer is bad. Your broken heart is bad. Any abuse of any kind is bad. A parent abandoning a child is bad. A financial crisis is bad. Giving up on your dream is bad. Flunking out of school is bad. All of these are bad things. And nobody's here trying to convince you that you should just reverse and deny that things are bad. Bad things happen. But God specializes in bringing good out of bad things. If we took the time, we could could have people just stand here and tell you about the good things that God brought out of a very bad situation. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian writer in the time of Stalin and he wrote critical essays against communism and against Joseph Stalin especially. And for that reason he was imprisoned in the Gulag for a number of years in Russia. Not good, that's bad. But when you read his memoir, you hear him say at the end of his memoir, Thank you, prison, for being in my life. Because if it had not been for prison, I would not have learned about the mercy and the grace of God. Prison's bad, but God has a way. He specializes in it. And I can't explain it except I just believe it. That God sometimes takes the bad things in life and He creates something good out of that. We quote the verse many times, Romans 8, 28. I've I've shared with you my own personal struggle with that verse. I've struggled for a large part of my Christian experience to figure that out because that, that verse does not say that everything that happens to you is good. But it says that God knows how to turn bad things into good things for those who love Him and are according to His purpose. I would just remind you that God often takes your problems. You, you sit here this morning and you say, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to get through it. You will. You will. And God miraculously will take your problem and make it a catalyst for a positive change in your life. In order to do that, you have to do two things, I think. Number one, you have to overcome your fears. You have to renounce your fear. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid of what God's going to do out of this situation. I'm committing this to Him, and I'm believing Him for the future. And then second of all, you have to choose to be able to grow. I want to grow out of this experience. I want to be better. Whatever this is, I say this to the Lord at times. Lord, whatever I'm going through, I want you to teach me everything I'm supposed to know because I want to grow out of this experience. I want to be able to be a better person on the other side of this. And it's important to remember that God takes your problems and sometimes makes them catalyst for positive change. Have to reframe that problem in a way that says, God, this is an opportunity for me to grow. It's an opportunity for me to figure out why I am so afraid. There was a period of time in my life when I was deathly afraid of dying. I mean, every little thing, I'd get a little. I'd get a little pain in my calf, and I'd run to the doctor thinking that I had a blood clot. Or I'd get a, an unusual pain in my chest, Ms. Tracy, and I'd run to the doctor thinking I was having a heart attack. My precious doctor, he would say to me, come on, Bill, you're 27 years old, man. And he would run all these tests... And One day when I was sitting there, he said, "Uh, is anything really bothering you right now? I said, well, to be honest with you, I do have a question. He said, what's your question? I said, well, sometimes when I sneeze, when I sneeze really hard, it causes both of my arms to tingle. He went, both arms? I said, yeah. He said, that's serious. I said, well, what does it mean? He says, it means if you keep sneezing that way, you're going to blow your head right off of your shoulders. (laughs) You you know what that, that couple of years right there in my life taught me? I was able to look deep inside of me and figure out why am I so afraid to die? Why am I afraid of dying? Everybody is going to die at some point unless you go by way of the rapture. So why am I afraid? The point was that it became an opportunity for me to grow out of the fear that I had that something catastrophic was going to happen to me. You have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to trust God. James chapter 1 says brothers and sisters when trouble of any kind come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy for you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow So let me let me encourage you with these words and then I'll be done Amir if you'll just come and play I don't right now I just need a keyboard player I want you to watch out for two things that could hold you back from getting the essence of what I'm trying to say today. Here's the first pride. Your pride will be a hindrance to you because you're going to think that you can handle the difficult problems by yourself. You're going to think that you don't have to have anybody's help. If you were here last week, we talked about this idea that this room is full of people who have battled life's problems and lived beyond them. There are people here who will help you. Here's the second thing, not only pride, but shame. If you're not careful, shame will cause you to think, I don't want anybody to know that I'm broken. I don't want anybody to know that I'm overcome with this problem. both of those can be hindrances to a proper God view, God perspective of your problem. Because think about this for a moment. God put you in this church for a reason. I believe in positioning. I I reminded Shelly last night, I believe in positioning. I mean, you can believe what you want. You can think that you're here just because you got lost one Sunday and showed up at the wrong church. No. No, you're here because God wanted you to be a part of this church for whatever period of time you're here, whatever length of time. Some of you are going to stay here the rest of your life. Some of you are going to be here for a while and God's probably going to move you somewhere else. But for now, you have to ask yourself, why did God put me in this church? Why did God put me in this fellowship? Because there's somebody here that can help you. Or there's somebody here that you can help in that process, in that journey. Don't let pride or shame keep you from finding the help that you need. Don't try to walk this out alone. That's why I love the fact that in January when we start our life groups, there's going to be a bunch of ways for you to connect intentionally. Intentionally. To people who are just like you. People who can help you to navigate that. Look at this verse on the screen in Galatians 6 and 2. I read it again this week and I just love it. It says, share each other's burdens. And in this way obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens. You want to know what that looks like? Charles and Betty Mullins lost their daughter this week. And I have to share that burden. They have to know that they're not alone. That somebody cares. That somebody appreciates the fact that it is so abnormal, so against nature for parents to bury their own children. Who will share the burden? How will we do that? We will make that commitment that we will not let pride or shame keep us from the right perspective. I want to finish by telling you that I believe you say to me, what do you want us to do with these two messages? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God, number one, to open up your eyes to see the things that you cannot see without the Lord's help. There's probably something that you need to see, but you can't see it until the Lord helps you to see it. Ask Him, open my eyes. This problem that I've got, this issue that's going on in our family, this thing that's going on in my marriage, this thing that's happening at work, open my eyes so that I can see this in the way that I'm supposed to see it. Number two, accept that God is at work in your life even when it hurts. Even when you don't understand. I wish I could tell you why it happened. I wish I had the ability to tell you why You grew up in the home that you grew up in. I wish I could tell you why your father, your mother did not want you. I held a little girl in our nursery this week whose mother was, as I understand the story, on her way to abort this child. Did not abort that child. Now that baby's in a foster program. Perhaps we'll be adopted, we'll see. But I held that child this week and I reminded her even though she's just one year old that she is loved and she is valued. But I can't explain to you why your mother didn't want you. I'll never be able to tell you why. And and, and God is at work even in the places in my life that I don't understand. And then thirdly, you got to keep going. Can't give up. No problems worth giving up for. You can't give up when you've got problems. You can't do that. You've got to press on. you got to keep going. you got to keep going. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at LakeErieChurch.com.